All righty. Hey, I just want to go ahead and say, well, happy holidays. Christmas is right around the corner. I think I seen some of you out on Friday morning shopping. Hey, you're lying if you weren't. You're out. Someone was out there. Anyway, I was, I was out there. I didn't mind going out there. <laughs> Insanity. We didn't get pepper sprayed or nothing, so uh, no one got ran over in Walmart. So uh, you shop, you know, you, well, you, you save money. What's their, what's their logo? Save money. Huh? Shop what? Who knows it? Shop more, save less. Sound like a church, don't it? Just kidding. Anyway, that's what, you know, that's what really was missing is Walmart's missing a church. We're praying for that. They're going to have a pharmacy. They just need a church inside Walmart in the back where McDonald's were. You believe God can do that? Stop by, get a word from God, and go finish your shopping. Get saved, and then go buy something. How about that? I'm believing God for that. That's why we have so many Walmarts here. Hey, what I want to do is really uh, encourage you. We're going to continue in our faith series. This one is called Faith That Leads You to Your Destiny. And I want to tell you, everybody, I want to tell you a secret. Here's a secret. Each and every one of you have a destiny on your life. Each and every one of you, I'm going to talk about the promised land tonight. Each and every one of you have a promised land that God wants to take you in to be effective and do great things for him. Some of you, here's a good, some of you are in your promised land, but you don't recognize it. And some of you, if you're young, you're heading that way. But I want to talk about some guys who had the opportunity to go into the promised land, and certain things type of, kind of happened to them. And I like to look at these guys because I look at them as us, because it can happen to anybody who, doesn't have, who don't have faith. And I believe this story is a word for today because of all the things that are going on around in, in our society. And I believe that God is telling us that it's our time to walk into our destiny, personal destinies, but also as a church, our corporate destiny. Because God has put us in Abilene, Texas to change Abilene, Texas. That's why we're here in the center of town to bring change. In 2012, we're so excited because we want to go beyond these walls and start really bringing transformation to people outside. Because I believe it's time. How about you? I don't want to have another Bible study on how, what God, Jesus said about making disciples. I think we ought to just go out and do it, and then we can read about it later. Amen? We don't need to have, we don't need to have another Bible study about what he meant. Because we know what he meant. But I want to show you exactly how we can all be part of that. In our campuses, Dias Air Force Base, in our main city, everywhere, that God wants to bring change. Each and every one of us, again, has a promised land. And I, see, I believe some of you are already in it. And some of you got to it. And some of you got discouraged by trying to go into it. So at this time, let us go. If you have your Bibles, we're going to read a lot. So I encourage you to have your Bibles. It's going to start in, in Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. And this, if you don't know, this is the children of Israel that Moses have taken out of Egypt and about to bring them into the promised land. And it was an 11-day journey to get there. And there was a lot of things taking place, but they had a moment in time that they were able to cross over and certain things happened, took place. And they sent out some spies to spy out the land that God was going to give them. And they came back, and it wasn't such a good report that they gave. 
But it was a true report. Everything they said was true. Except one thing they left out. God. And I want to show you this and how awesome. I got some observations. We're going to dive into this and then we're going to unpack it. Ready to go? Got your Bibles? Here we go. Starting um, Numbers chapter 13, starting in verse 25. He says, at the end of 40 days, I'm using the ESV version. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. They came to Moses and Aaron to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. They brought word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Now, that fruit I was going to tell you about, how many love grapes? They found some grapes that were so huge, it took two guys to carry them in on a, on a, on a stick. Now, the only problem is grapes that big belong to someone even bigger to eat them. So I wonder who was really in that land to keep them eating those grapes. But when I saw the grapes, I'm saying, okay, I'm, 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 I'm convinced. I'm going in just to eat. Because, you know, everyone, there's no, there's no secret that you know Pastor Rich loves to eat. So, anyway, I showed the fruit in the land, and they told him, and they told him, we came into the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. This is its fruit. However, I hate howevers. The people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak, Anak, there. And Amalekites dwell in the land of Negev, and the Hittites, the Jezebites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with them said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought the people of Israel a bad report of the land, and they had, they had spied out, saying, The land, though we have gone to spy it out, is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And they saw the Nephilim, the son of Anak, who came from Nephilim, who, who seemed, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. Starting in verse 14, I mean, chapter 14. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or that we had died in the wilderness? And this is where they blame God. Why is the Lord bringing us into the land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. And would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, Let's choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses fell on his face before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephaniah, who were among those who had spied the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of Israel, The land which we passed to spy it out is exceedingly good land. If, if, if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. When you read that, children of Israel came to a transition point in their lives. Out of 400 years of slavery, going into a land that, one, God had promised. Two, God owned it. Three, God has given it to them. Today's interpretation, God owns it, 
and God has given it to his believers to take it back. Jesus took it back on the cross when Adam and Eve lost it. We have taken it, God has taken it back, and he wants to give it to his people. Whatever land that is, whatever your promised land, whatever that destiny has, God has for you, God wants to give it to you. Now, there's no problem in the giving. It's the problem of us possessing. I want to give you a couple observations when I read this because there's a couple things that is kind of unique when you read Scripture. Sometimes we talk about it. First, I want to give you the, the one thing is these were all leaders. These weren't common folk. When they had the plan, these were the leaders of all the tribes. And I call us tonight here. The ones that come on Wednesday night are leaders. And the leaders had an issue of unbelief. Give you a couple interpretation, a couple of observations. <clears throat> they traveled 40 days and 500 miles. And did you notice no one touched them? No one touched them. 500 miles for 40 days. And they were nervous that they were going to get killed. But no one touched them. Why? They kept going. They're on a mission. I love, I love the Blues Brothers. They're on a mission from God. Think about it. No one touched them. Second thing was, and I noticed because I, that's one, this one, this second one got me. It says this, the land of promise, your promised land, is usually surrounded by challenges. And I don't know about you, I've always prayed that I will get to the place that God got to me, got, me, got for me, and when I get there, it shouldn't be any problems. It shouldn't be any trouble. And I'm like, I have arrived. And if you notice, this is the promised land with a lot of good fruit, some big grapes, and some great land with issues in it. And some of you, God, God took you to a place and all the challenges surrounded you and you thought, this is not, not be the place because there's so much trouble here. I want to tell you something. Your promised land, my promised land, our city, where we want to take and where we want to invade, has issues in it, has challenges in it. Sometimes when trouble comes upon you so much, you either think you did something wrong or, God, you got me in the wrong place and you're right where you need to be. You think your university is a challenge? You're right where you're supposed to be, where God called you. I'm going to talk about the challenges. But I notice we cannot keep praying that the challenges go away when we go into a new place. Because that, that recognizes those challenges, we recognize that God is in there. He said, I will build my church in the gates of hell. Hades will not overcome it. So everywhere you go with this darkness... That's the gates of Hades. And there's going to be issues. And there are going to be challenges. And there are going to be hardship. But you're in the right spot. Which gave me, oh, I didn't do something wrong. Oh, God wasn't wrong. I'm in the right spot at the right time. A lot of us pray, can I get out of this? You can't because you're right where you need to be. Because once you go into a land... God will clear the land. He told them, 
I'm going to run all those people out. Had a great report. It was true. But God said, I'm going to run them out. All you got to do is go in. See, some of you are believing for your campuses. Some of you are believing for the base. Some of you are believing for a lot of things. And just got to stand there and let God run them out. And run them out. Another thing is, these guys, when you waver in faith, this is what they did. I wrote this down. Do not add or take away from God's plan. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 19 to 22. I want to show you something. This was not God's plan. This was the spies' plan, the children of Israel's plan. God's plan was, I'm going to give you the land. There's no other plan. Now, when we waver, we kind of negotiate. How many when you waver with God and he tells you something, you kind of try to negotiate? Try to stall a little bit. Try to add to. Maybe if I add a little, make, add a little comfort to that. This would happen. Now, this was a good plan that they had, too. It wasn't a bad plan, but they missed the mark. Since so they set out from uh, Harab and went through all the great and terrifying wilderness that you saw on the way to the hill country, the Amorites, as the Lord our God commanded us, and we came to Kadosh Barna. And I said to you, you have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. And this is Moses reviewing the book, reviewing the history. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and take possession as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has told you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Then all you came near me and said, let us send men before us that they may explore the land for us and bring, bring us word again of the way by which we must go up to the cities into which we shall come. Their plan was a logistics plan. Tell me about the city. How can we go in? How can we, how, what the exits are? Are the people big? Are the strongholds? All the topography of the country. Show me that. Great plan. And God gave them grace on it because they had a little weak faith. But God said, possess it. See, guys, can I tell you something? Faith is aggressive. Fear is passive. Fear is passive. Grace, I mean, um, faith is aggressive. If God gave you a promise, guaranteed that this is yours, what stops us from going after it? The obstacles? See, faith is aggressive. Fear is passive. Second thing I wrote in here. Another thing I wrote in here. Faith is proactive. Fear is reactive. Faith is proactive. Fear is reactive. What happened was when they got fearful, they got reacting to what happened and what they saw. See, Joshua and Caleb had faith. They saw what they saw, but they also had God that they know. See the difference? 
And we'll have a natural fear, but if we leave God out the equation, we're going to react in fear. But we have faith when we put God in the middle of it and know that it was his plan. And why would he not carry out his plan? See, it's not about me getting the results, because if it's his plan, he's going to get the results. Come on, somebody, because I'm telling you, faith is exciting. Going on campus and sharing your faith is exciting. Going to Dias Air Force Base and sharing your faith is exciting. Going in the city and telling people about Jesus is exciting. It used to be to a lot of us. Three hours after we got born again. And then we grew up. And we stopped being naive. And we got fearful of being rejected. We got caught up. I love soldiers. Soldiers don't have time to get caught up in the civilian affairs. We don't get caught up in the issues of life. God takes care of those things. We grew up. And church became, come, three songs, and a sermon, and I feel good. Come on, somebody. I'm talking to me, too. We start eating too many grapes. Because life is good, really. For us believers, we're really protected, aren't we? When we look at it really, bottom line, we really are protected because we know where we're going. We're going to glory. So that is always security for us, right? Not the finances that we think we're going to make that we can't take with us in the first place, right? Never seen a, you know, a bank go in the, in the grave. It's just, life's got tough for us. We let it get tough because we put God outside of it. A lot of us know God as Elohim, big, huge, creating the world. But when you know when God transitioned from Elohim, which he still named as Elohim, to Yahweh is when he started crafting man and putting man and putting breath in man and creating woman. He's Elohim, I mean, he's Yahweh, which he is personal. And when we lose the personal, the personal that he's always with us, we think he's Elohim, so we call him because we think he's not near us. But he's near us all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But our, our antennas have to be focused in in hearing God again. And there's another thing they saw. We're always, always, always deal with two realities. We always deal with two realities. That's what they dealt with. They saw the giants. They saw all the hard times. But they, did, they left God out, which is the other reality. Sometimes we take faith like this. I hear people say, Someone said, oh, you're sick. I'm not sick. I'm not taking that in the, in the name of Jesus. You're sick. And you, yes, and you, God, you pray God's going to heal you. It might take a doctor, but you're still sick. Make sense? Faith does not, uh, does not um, turn reality where we are away. Let's go to Rome. I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Go to Romans 4, 19 through 21. This is Abraham. Abraham recognized the fact But he also recognized faith. Look at this. 
He did not weaken in his faith when he considered his own body, which was good as dead. Now, Abraham was dead as far as reproducing. There was no pill for Abraham in them days. He had to rely on God. And y'all will get that in a minute. Since he was about 100 years old or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Two conflicting realities. Too old to have children, but the promise God said you will. Which one are you going to believe? We always face that reality. But we don't let that reality move us into fear. We let the true reality, which is what we can't see, God, move us into faith. Come on, somebody. Really. What we hear today and what we see about the nation is going to cut. This is going to fall. We're in a recession. We're all. Don't you cannot let that get into your spirit. Because when you say God says I'm blessed to be a blessing, you go ahead and let put that in your heart and you walk with that. The rest of that stuff is just fact, which is subject to change. Think about it. When I went to college, all I learned was theory about things. Put me to sleep most of the time. You know what theory is? Best guessed assumptions. You know what the Bible is? The truth. And God's waiting for those who believe the truth to do great things and be fully convinced that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. When you're on a mission, you want to believe God's going to do what he said he's going to do. When you're out searching out your promised land, when you're working, serving in that, life is exciting because you don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know what's going to happen next. And usually it's always in, as the as Japanese call it, challenge. I'm not saying problems. They say challenge because they work on, you work on challenges faster than you work on the problem. And it's a revelation for me because I thought I was in the promised land. I'm doing all, and all this stuff happened this year. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I remember sitting in my garage. Did I do something wrong? And God said, no. Later on, you're in your promised land. There's a lot of giants. You need to clear out the giants. You got a little comfortable. Get comfortable. Clean out the giants. What do you think? This is supposed to be great land? Clean out the giants. Get back in the game. Stop coasting on your talents. Stop coasting on your personality. Get in there and do the things I called you to do. Grow up as a man. Sit being honest with you. I love the way God talks to me. Direct. Stop your crying and get back in my word. How do you think I took that? Cried some more. No, I didn't. Remember I said it was an 11-day journey? They were marching there. Took them 11 days. Our, our problem, guys, is not the circumstances that we see outside of us. Our problem is me too, is a circumstance that's inside of me, which is what I call unbelief. See, when you're marching towards something, you have a purpose. You're in faith. When unbelief comes, you start wandering. 
Seen this mountain before? Yeah. Looks good. Looks great. You just keep wandering. You start marching. So 11-day journey turns out to be 40 years. So for some of us, 10 years, 15 years. I'm old enough to say, yeah, I made a lot of mistakes. But I love the grace and glory of God. And I love that. I'm glad he don't give up on me as quick as I give up on him. And some of us got given up on him. I can see it in your faces. You don't give up on God. Something we got so hardened, we don't know how to experience God anymore. And he'll send things to unharden your heart. I'm telling you. You What will get you out of your funk, guys, is you open your heart to God. And then we're not subject to when it's snowy or when it's holidays. Holidays are really exciting because we have more time off to enjoy him and enjoy each other. I'm here to tell you. There's nothing like opening your heart to God again and being naive when you first met him, how excited you were. You couldn't wait to stop telling people how excited you were about God. Then we grew up. I'm, I'm just as guilty, as, and I got used to it. Hello? How we doing? Now, this is another bullet I wrote, because we talked about it last week. See, God puts giants there to make us bigger. Think about it. When you're going through something, we were talking about that Tuesday morning, the guys, when we're going through something, we become Bible scholars and prayer warriors. And then we start to grow. And then when peace comes, we kind of... But when you're going through something, you're growing through something. You've been through something. Say, I couldn't make the payment last month, but I... And um, it was devastating, and then all of a sudden God came through and just blew something up in your life, and it was great. The next time you face that thing again, you're like, psh, been beyond that. I've grown through that. See, we don't go into business, we grow in the business. And how is God used growing? Giants. In the military, we would sit, they would never show us a film on how to go, go to war. They put us in an exercise, and they kill us. And wear us out until we got stronger and stronger, and then we're able to go ahead and overcome the challenges they gave us. So when we got somewhere to really do it, we were happy because it wasn't as hard as we put ourselves through because we already been through it. When we came to Iraq and went to Afghanistan, it's no problem because you're not going to be as tough as we are on ourselves. What happened was they used adversity to grow us by design. Adversity grows us. We don't like it. We want to run from it, but it grows us. The airplane that you fly on, you're hoping that it went through some adverse testing before you got on, aren't you? Or they just roll down and say, hey, you can just fly. Don't worry about it. We don't have to worry about testing anymore. <laughs> Remember, a faith that is, is tested. And God put this in there, the giants, to make us bigger. And I know some of you, when you first start coming to Grace Point Church, you were beaten down, and I watch you go through challenge and challenge and challenge, and I watch you grow and grow and grow. Oh, my gosh. 
Some of y'all came, came in here, I'm not going to make it. I don't think I can got another day. I don't think I have another hour. And then you just grew and you grew and you don't even know how strong you are. That's amazing. What happened? We were praying for you, but you got stronger. Your faith got stronger. When you thought you couldn't make it another day, God delivered another day to you. Now you know what that feels like. Now you know how to walk, and you know how to get stronger. And whenever you think you're going to get stronger, you figure, well, maybe I'll have a, a uh, vacation in Bermuda or something. And the minute you get, feel you're really strong, he sends you another step to make you feel weak because <laughs> you need to get a little stronger. Make sense? Yeah. Some of you guys didn't have another day. And y'all are sitting here and don't know how strong you are. You don't even see the muscles all around you and how God has touched you. Other thing they did, they started speaking death. And it said death and life are in the power of the tongue. And what happened was, when we get in the jam, you got to get God's word. Because I start, when I get in the jam sometime, I just start spewing out stuff. And what happened with them, they remember they said, why don't we just die in the wilderness? Remember they said that we read that? Guess what happened to them? God says, I'm going to give them exactly what their mouth said. See, it's a test that we have to speak God's word in the midst of all the trouble we're having. Because that's going to get us, that's going to build our faith. Last thing is, I want to tell you this, that God does delight in you. And that's 14.8. He says, if God delights in us, he will give you your land. See, guys, God delights in each and every one of you. You have not screwed up to the point that you're not going in. Because he fixed that when he sent Jesus. He doesn't keep points. He doesn't keep score. The blood of Christ wipes it all out. And he does delight in you. You didn't blow it. You didn't miss the trip. You didn't miss your time because you're just starting your time. Don't look at the past and say, I missed it. You're just getting started again. Because every day, God lets it's a new day. His mercies are new what? Every single morning, even when I don't feel like it, there's a new mercy shining in my face. I didn't blow it because he delights in me. He delights in every my, all my steps when I'm walking with him. He delights in, him, in us, so we need to learn to delight in him because he delights in us and he wants us to go into our destiny because here's the problem. If you don't make it, there's something that's going to be missing. If our church doesn't make it, there's going to be something out there we were supposed to do that never got done. And it's going to be a void here in this city. Come on, somebody. You are very important. He delights in you. I don't care how life has turned out on you. That's the reality. But the real reality is God delights in you. That's the reality. And that's when you know you're, in your, you're walking with God. Into the land or in the land. If you're in the land and things are getting tough, you already reached your, your goal that God has given you and he wants you to expand your horizons, don't quit when it gets tough. Don't stop. Keep going. You keep going. You keep pushing. 
You keep praying. You keep singing. You keep praising. You keep going. You keep connecting. Because God wants to do something special in each and every one of our lives. Think about it. It's easy to quit. But you know, if we quit, my last point, why don't we all stand? If we quit, the last thing I wanted to show you in this, this scripture was the next generation will lose if we quit. If we stop, it's just going to be a, a process of stopping. When I see young kids who don't feel like they have no, no destiny in their lives, I see their parents have stopped. So they just ran into them. And we got to get the whole family moving so the kids will have a chance. I don't want our children to wait 40 years. Our children back there, we don't make it. They're not going to make it. I don't want them to wait 40 years. Think about it. It ain't about us no more when you get up to a certain age. It's about them. It's about those teenagers. It's about those young kids. When we got our promise, when we hit it, we're opening the doors for them. What a call. What an honor that God has chosen each and every one of us. Wow. I always say wow because that call is high. And I say he has a sense of humor. He wants to use each and every one of us with all our failings. Here, let me actually tell you something. Stop looking at your failings and look to Christ. Stop, stop us focusing on our negatives and go with your strengths. As you start going in your strength, you'll make it. The one guy I used to have a problem with when I used to marshal jets is the guy who would not want let one fly because it has so many issues. I said it was born to fly. It was created to fly. Once you put it, book of notes, once you put it in the air, all those problems will work itself out. But you got to get it off, off the ground. We were all as e- created as eagles to fly. Start to fly. Don't worry about the wings broken. Don't worry about have this issue, that issue, that issue. Fly and let that work out itself. I don't spend time working on my weaknesses. I spend time on my strengths. And you guys are all strong. Leaders. We're a destiny. And some of you are in your, in your land. God's already given it to you. Expand. So what, there's giants. It's going to make you stronger. But the reason why, because God has a purpose for each and every one of you and a purpose for this place. Don't let doubt, don't let discouragement, don't let diversion, and don't let defeat mess with you. Be on your language. That's the devil's tricks. It's to make you doubt and make you discouraged. I'm going a little long and make you defeated. Because there's 150 something thousand people out there who need to know that Jesus Christ says what he means what he, he means what he says and he's doing it through us and they need help. So you fly, guys. Fly. We're created to fly. We weren't created to 
fix ourselves all the time. We're created to go. Faith takes you into your destiny. Fear keeps you fixing stuff because you don't think you're good enough to go into your destiny. If you weren't good enough, we wouldn't have Jesus. He fixed all that. Anyone want encouraged tonight? You guys are awesome. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. I feel that spirit in here. That's why I keep going off on it. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you right now.